the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, And as usual, we've got to cover some important ground of what you need to know. Today's edition has to do with the information we're learning. Uh, And it's not good, really. It's not good. It's a little worrying. Uh, But we will talk about that in a moment. And we will also have two great interviews, two interesting interviews. Um, One is uh, Michael Volpe, who is an investigative uh, journalist. He's really more of an investigative journalist like a researcher who happens to realize, happened to realize a few years ago that what he was investigating mostly about the family courts and about uh, how difficult people had it in the family courts. He, um, he decided to start writing about it. So he's sort of, he's now a cross between a journalist and an investigator, uh, kind of a researcher and a very good guy. Michael Volpe will talk with him. And then John Schlafly will give us an update. John Schlafly's column this week, the Schlafly report is uh, about the rot in Washington, D.C., in the swamp. Okay, two bits of information will shape what you need to know today. Okay, first, it has been uh, reported widely that the Biden White House met with a number of TikTok, um, uh, popular TikTokers, uh, popular uh, personalities on TikTok, mostly very young, uh, and they met with them to talk about uh, the Ukraine and they and they wanted to give them the messaging and spe- specifically actually about how the rise in gas prices was not Joe Biden's fault but was Putin's fault because of the war and they met with these folks in the white house it was reported a few days ago and then the tiktokers duly went off and they went and they they did their thing and as i said in an interview today some of the tiktokers they're so young it's crazy that they're of age but i guess they are but they look you know um if it were a different era, you would say they look like hookers. You know, they look like uh, women of leisure, as we say. They dress scantily and, and they look, uh, to me, my mind, uh, fairly terrifying um, and exploitative that they're doing this on video. But they're talking about Putin and gas prices. Why? Because the narrative machine, big government, is coaching them on it. And big tech, which is social media like TikTok, is happy to play along. And big media is reporting what is said. So you say to yourself, wow, um, the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government working together to push a narrative. Is it really true? Is it really true? At the same time, news came out, reports came out, I think from one of the transparency requests through the Freedom of Information Act or others, that it was close to a billion dollars, that's billion with a B, spent over the COVID by the government, COVID period, the pandemic period, spent by the government with the media, television, cable television, I think probably cable, um, probably uh, radio also, to purchase ads to put their viewpoint out. Now, at this point, we know that at least the people who were um, in government were uh, lost or worse, right? At the, at the best, they were lost, confused, didn't know what for sure what was happening. At worst, they were misleading us. It's one of the two. 
Uh, again, if you, if, you, if you prefer to be generous, you say, well, they were doing the best they could. They just didn't know what they were doing. They lied about masks. They told the truth about masks. They lied about this. They lied about that. If, you were, if you're cynical and you see the worst in this and you see it a lot, you say they were just lying. And they were lying to the advantage of big uh, pharma. They were lying to the advantage of more power for government. All those directions, it's pretty clear. But we know that the federal government paid at least a billion, probably many, many hundreds of millions more than that, for advertisements. So the government's paying, big government's paying for ads. Big government's bringing in TikTokers to persuade them. Big media, big tech playing along. What is it that's true, right? At this point, all of the forces of the establishment in Washington, of the media on all sides, and of big tech is that there's only one set of people who are on the right side in this thing, and that's the Ukrainians. They're the freedom fighters, and everything else on Russia's side is wrong. NATO is right, Soros is right, Ukraine is right, and Russia is wrong. Now, let me be clear. I don't know if Russia's right. I, I don't really know. I just don't know what's true. And at a certain point, you start to say the fingerprints on the information that is being fed to us look and feel more and more like pros, like the professionals, like the intelligence community that is feeding us a message that is to the advantage of what they want to have happen. Now, I, I, you know, close your eyes for a second and go back in time, right? Go back in time to World War II and say to yourself, what was happening when the great American heroes and British heroes and some Belgian and Germans, excuse me, not Germans, Belgians and French, were part of the Jedbergs, the earliest special ops, the earliest uh, uh, special service, OSS. They were dropping in behind enemy lines in France, and part of what they were doing in a rudimentary way was propaganda that they could win, that the French underground could organize and win. And when I mean propaganda, they just talked about how they could do it, and they did it. If you talk about how you can do it and what you can do, you can do it. And they did. And, you know, many were executed because they were caught, but many more led in a, a resistance and made clear and, and made it difficult for the Germans as they tried to advance across France and um, prepare to go to, uh, into England. So if you can go back to a time, and it's easier for all of us to sort of um, sentimentalize and think of World War II. Well, we were all on the side of the good guys, right? In history now, there's no doubt of the good guys. It's the good guys is us. The bad guys was Germany. The good guys at that time was us and Russia and, and uh, France and England. And the bad guys was Germany and Japan. And they were really bad. Germany was, you know, was, was uh, gassing millions of, of, uh, of Jewish people, right? There was no doubt. In, now that it's history, there's no doubt about it. But at the time, what would you have done to try to make people understand what was happening? Or more importantly, make people stay motivated to fight in the direction you needed them? Would you have lied? Would you have misled? Would you have used propaganda? That's kind of what the... The question is, right? That's kind of what you hear from the military types. They say, well, you know, you may not like it, but when it's a time of war, you got to stop what's happening. And therefore, you, you know, you got to take the corruption in the Ukraine or Zelensky. I think Zelensky was, was, um, listed among the Panama Papers, which was a leak that showed how many leaders in the world were hiding money overseas in, in bank accounts and all. And so, but be that as it may, you know, back to my point. 
If you could galvanize forces, galvanize communities, galvanize citizens, galvanize the world to fight against what at the time felt like the overwhelming strength of the Germans in World War II, you did it. And so I think the justification of what you're seeing in in the Ukraine situation is similar to that. The question is, do we have the same situation? Do we have the same parties? And at this point, we really don't know. I really don't know. I don't know who to trust. Part of me says Zelensky is a Western liberal appointed by, managed by, and uh, supported by the EU and the left. He's liberal on all the issues that uh, I think are, you know, making uh, hollowing out the uh, parts of the uh, the European and parts of Europe and and the West. On the other hand, he's fighting for his country and the the Russians came into his land. They invaded. And but, but, uh, you know, Putin albeit a dictator or albeit whatever you call it, a a democracy with lots of questions about how their democracy works, uh, Christian, anti some of the far left, uh, you know, uh, woke stuff. It's not simple, but more importantly, we just don't know. And I feel like now after Russia, 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 after the uh, hoaxes, the two impeachment hoaxes, after the January 6th hoax, what we've seen the media do, I feel like we can't trust them so much that everything's in doubt. And the question becomes, just to go back, I'll go all the way back, what you need to know, go back to what you need to know, the data points. If the government's paying a billion dollars to tell the American people what's the truth of COVID, do you believe them? And do you believe that the news organizations that accepted a billion dollars in ads could really stay independent? Do you? Really? And if the White House will bring in TikTokers and the TikTokers will go out and they will persuade people that the problem with gas prices is the war in the Ukraine and Putin. And the White House did that. Do you trust the message? What message do you trust? How do you do it? What you need to know is we're in a very strange time. And back to my final point, the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government is so strong now. It's not just guessing. They're not guessing what works. They're using neuroscience and they're using uh, real time analysis to persuade people what the truth is. And I don't know if we know what the truth is. That's what you need to know. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. We got a lot more. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, my old friend, Michael Volpe, who is an um, investigative journalist, an investigator, just a, and, a good, and a good writer. Um, he also does a podcast, which is good, too, but very good writer, thinks things through. And he has a substack, michaelvolpe.substack.com. Very useful, a lot there. And so welcome back, Michael. It's been a while. How are you? Good. How's it going with you? Doing fine. Doing fine. I was really intrigued when we had this exchange. And if you get on Michael's list, he'll make sure you get emails on the stuff he's writing about. A lot of interesting stuff. But one of the exchanges we had uh, was about uh, what I would say is the expansion of lawfare, of the use of the law against people. And in this case, uh, well, you'll tell us, Michael, but the use of, of law licenses and bar licenses is a way to try to modify behavior. So walk us through this story and let's, uh, let's, let, let me hear where it is. There's a lot of examples of this, by the way, but you've honed in on one that's particularly egregious right now. So walk us through, please. 
actually two just in the last few months. And I interviewed a third lawyer uh, in the in the last year. And and there's a fourth one I did a few years ago. And there's a guy named Richard Fine. Uh, I, I've talked about his case, but uh, he's out of California. You can find a lot about him. Right. And so what I have found, uh, there's a lawyer, Nicola Cunha in Connecticut, another lawyer, Leslie Federicos in Florida, uh, who uh, Nicola actually was has been disbarred. So she can't even practice law. Uh, Leslie, her license is being threatened. And what happened is there are, I guess, rings or rackets within the court system. And if you challenge them, the corrupt players can and will use the bar disciplinary process to either take your license or suspend it or just make it very, very difficult for you to practice law. Nicola took on several cases, but the, the most controversial and high profile there's a woman named Karen Riordan and her ex-husband, Chris Ambrose. And Chris used to be a, a hotshot writer for things like Law & Order and other TV shows. And uh, effectively, Chris had snatched their kids and kept the kids away from mom for a very long time. Nicola was vigorously defending her. However, she made some very inflammatory comments that got her in trouble. And before she knew it, her license is disbarred. Leslie has been doing a lot of work in both guardianship, which is very corrupt, like family court as well as family court. And in one case, she took on uh, the lawyer on the other side. Her name was Dory Foster Morales, who happened to be the outgoing president of the Florida Bar. And just as that case is heating up, Wesley is facing 10 complaints against her bar license. And uh, maybe nine months ago, I interviewed a woman named Michelle McDonald out of uh, Minnesota, who's had her license suspended multiple times. She got involved in the most controversial case in that state's history, Sandra Grazzini Rucky versus David Rucky. She vigorously defended her client, Sam Sandra, and was suspended once uh, for very minor things and then suspended again more recently for doing an interview where they said she impugned the integrity of her judge. She was referring to a hearing where she was forced to conduct part of it handcuffed to a wheelchair. And she said of that hearing, it has no process, meaning no due process. And the bar disciplinary process found that this impugned the judge, even though the judge forced her to conduct part of it handcuffed to a wheelchair. Um, four years ago, I did a story about a woman named Retta Daniel, who also took on some very high profile controversial guardianship cases in Virginia. And she was in her 70s at the time. So they took her license through a very unique way in that uh, they claimed that, she, that based on the things she was filing, she was no longer capacitated, if you will. So she could no longer practice being a lawyer because she no longer had the mental functions. And if you ever talk to her, she's really, really sharp, even though she was in her 70s. Richard Fine is a really uh, notorious case. And he, it's complicated. So I'm not going to say exactly what he found. He's talked about it. But essentially, judges were double dipping is what he accused them of. And he wound up spending a year and a half in jail in solitary confinement without ever being charged. And then he was disbarred afterwards. And he used to be in the Reagan Justice Department, part of like a 35 to 40 year resume that would impress anyone. And, and he wasn't safe. Um, but yeah, there are rings or rackets all throughout these court systems. And if you challenge them the way that Leslie and these other lawyers have, your bar license is threatened or taken away entirely. And then you're done being a lawyer. 
Well, and, and for a lot of people, that's their, as you say, their livelihood. So you take a, a if you're at a big law firm and you've got lots of money and you can retire and you're doing this stuff, or if you're, uh, who was, uh, who did I have on? They had a, um, uh, they had one of the old Obama um, leading lights, maybe Loretta Lynch or somebody was making a fortune. And then, oh, I had, we were talking about the Supreme Court justice nominee, uh, Judge Jackson, and she was at a big law firm making tons of money. And on the side, she was uh, representing, uh, you know, real no- notorious bad guys, which the system allows. Uh, uh, but I mean, if you're if you, a lot of these people that are doing these things, it's their job. It's their livelihood. Uh, now, Michael, we're talking with Michael Volpe again. Let me make sure to uh, remind people uh, Michael Volpe at dot substack dot com. And Volpe is V-O-L-P-E um, investigator gets into these things. But, Michael, what I want to know is um, two things. Is it more frequent? In other words, you noticed the story a year ago. You talked to someone. You now you got two more, three more. Is it more frequent, or are you seeing them? Meaning that until now, the injustices, or at least the the likelihood that there's a problem, were being gotten away with, and now there's a light being shone on it. And second, do you find uh, is it your instinct or and or backed up by what you're seeing that the increase that that the use of lawfare on a law license? It has particularly increased with COVID. I mean, I think if you might have, if you're close to Sidney Powell's in trouble for saying that there might be litigation around elections, that's a different mm-hmm. problem. But I think there's people that if they had said, oh, I, I think that these, you know, the, that uh, Ivermectin is worth defending. I think the law, uh, the, the, the bar, the bars have shown themselves to be liberal enough. They might have found a problem with that. Uh, are we seeing something different now after the COVID. Go ahead. I, ha- I haven't seen anything specific to COVID. I know the fine story is about a decade old. And, and if you didn't know the date, you would think it's happening now. So I don't know that, that it's actually getting worse. I do think that more of this is coming out. Um, but one reason why Richard Fine is an important story is because that's somewhat old. It shows that this is not a new phenomenon and that it's been going on for a while. And look, if I found five, don't believe there's only five lawyers in the entire country who are feeling the heat. But what we absolutely have is, uh, and the other thing is, Retta told me, the, and she was out of Virginia, it was the Virginia bar who did that to her. Right. W- what she looked at, either overwhelmingly or entirely, the people who the bar went after were from smaller firms that you rarely have ever saw the Virginia bar take on a lawyer who was at a bigger firm. Mm. Uh, that was according to her. So they, they, the, the bar is its members and the most powerful members are from the most powerful firms. So that's who they are protecting. Right. And they have created these systems which benefit themselves in family court and guardianship and other parts of, uh, of the justice system. And if you take that on, uh, Leslie freed six people from guardianship, which may not mean anything to anyone, but it's an enormous amount and in a pretty quick time. Mm-hmm. So she was challenging the entire system. Next thing you know, she's also challenging the outgoing president of the Florida bar. And now she's got 10 complaints against her license. The things done in the Rucky case are just extreme and horrible. And, and by the way, the bar often has um, <clears throat> allies in the media what you'll find with both with both Nicola's case and uh, Michelle McDonald's is they will smear the lawyer. They'll never tell the whole stories. And uh, like a bar disciplinary process doesn't seem like an interesting thing. So you can go look it up in, in the state of Connecticut. There's a lot of ink that was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. On Nicola's case, even though, what, a lawyer loses her license? Why is that such a big deal? It yeah. seems like someone in the bar has contacts. And it was the same thing with Michelle's case. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about how Michelle has her license suspended. Why? Why is that such a big deal that's not happening spontaneously? Um, but there's definitely dynamic, not maybe in every single state bar. And keep in mind, ostensibly, uh, the, the Minnesota bar has nothing to do with the Illinois bar. They are separate entities, but it right. definitely shows that they seem to have the same kind of techniques and they all seem to protect their own. And uh, yeah, look, this is not something anybody's talking about, but the ramifications are that number one, you have corrupt systems all throughout our judiciary. And number two, if you are a lawyer who challenges those systems, it's very likely you'll lose your license. Well, yeah, yeah. And we're talking with Michael Volpe. And uh, and I should say Michael's book, it's now almost eight years old, I think, but it's called Bully to Death uh, about the uh, uh, one of the uh, divorces and and the reality. I I was going to say that the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked so closely, she wrote a whole book on how uh, the who 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 killed the American family? And one of the, a couple of the chapters were on the the power of these uh, local courts and the divorce courts and the family courts and what they do. And and in this case, if you challenge that conventional wisdom, you're up against the feminists, you're up against the liberals, you're up against the people that make money off of the state system. There's a lot of pieces there. Now, uh, back for one second to the um, the. I often thought that if you were a candidate, it was like honor among thieves. They they sort of left you alone. But this um, in Minnesota, Michelle. McDonald, she's a candidate for the Supreme Court, filed and running, right? Or is she, or is she I don't already? Know uh, she is. It, oh, I don't she, know if she is this year, but she was. Right. She was. I don't even remember when this interview that they sanctioned her for, because she does run. She's run more than once. But correct, she was. She was running as a candidate. She was doing a TV interview, and who was listening? The judge in her case, his name is David Knudsen. As gotcha. soon as his name was mentioned. He, he hears it. He's like, oh, this sounds like a, a violation. He's the one who reported her. I Correct. See. If you if you actually listen to the interview, you'd say, what? What could she possibly have said in this interview that would be so terrible that her law license would be threatened? Gotcha. Uh, I, in fact, I think the interview was done in 2018 when she was running and they didn't do anything until 2020. Uh, well, and, and that's it. That, yeah. That, by the way, that's yeah. another aspect of this is that there's not a statute of limitations on some of these stuff. It's whoever mm-hmm. it's it's kind of self-policing and therefore, um, mm-hmm. you know, self-censor. So here's here's my thing, Michael. Again, Michael Volpe's our guest and uh, his uh, his uh, substack is michaelvolpe.substack.com is it leads mm-hmm. dramatically to self-censorship. Because if you know the bar is going to be left of center, pro-abortion, I'm not saying they all are, but in some states, for sure, if they're going to be, you know, uh, if the if the alliance is between the members of the bar who are uh, judges and clerks and all, and then the and the liberals, it gets pretty quick. You know, if you're against that, you, you, you're you're going to say, uh, I'm going to self-censor a bit. And that's exactly what we don't need at this moment in our history. Um, so correct. And the thing about the bar is it's it's members, but the powerful firms have a, a way right. out. Exactly. Yeah, influence. that's right. Yeah. So you're, yeah. If you're the mom and pop law firm, you are technically a member, but with far less interview than right. the law yeah. firm downtown. Uh, so it's what they favor, what they go with. And again, Leslie got in trouble, if you will, when she took on 
the outgoing president of the bar, George right. Foster Morales. Either quite the coincidence yeah. that all the trouble started, or yeah. he had something to do with it. Well, and and and, and remember one more thing, and Michael, I'm out of time. But it, like, if you're Sidney Powell and you say, "Hey, I think there's bad elections. I'm going to do something about it." What she she had clients that said this is what she did. You're going to be in trouble. But if you represent really rotten guys, really terrible people, confessed killers, whatever, people say, "Well, that's the system. The system's supposed to have the the uh, because they like the one direction, not the other." Michael, I've got to go. Michael Volpe, again, his uh, Substack is michaelvolpe.substack.com. I'll put it up on social media, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up with John Schlafly. Uh, John Schlafly is reputed to be, it's not confirmed, but reputed to be uh, the number one fan of uh, Tucker Carlson. So first, John, welcome back. How is uh, Tucker Carlson doing? How's the show going? Well, uh, thank you, Ed. I do. <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, Tucker has a useful perspective on what's going on in the world. Well, I mean, I'd say it more starkly, 23 and a half hours of the 23 hours of the day, you get one view on, uh, I think, on Fox News, which is um, describe it as you like. And Tucker, at least, is asking a lot of questions. So um, it's uh, at the very least, it plays that role in the, in the when the, all the voices are one way. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary when all the mainstream media, including Fox and others, are um, are agreeing on what should happen next. And uh, is it one America, one America news got dropped by time Warner. So they, they will not be in a position to be, uh, you know, picked up people to watch, uh, listen to the, listen and watch that, that uh, show, which is that station uh, network, which is more conservative. So uh, John Schlafly does a weekly column. Of course, his column is uh, this week is entitled clean out the rot. John and Andy Schlafly do that. And uh, their column runs over at townhall.com as well as is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, John, clean out the rot, um, drain the swamp. I guess, do you really think it can happen? Uh, well, those are two quotes from uh, Donald Trump, of course. Trump gave uh, spoke at a rally last weekend in South Carolina. And we've heard, we've been, we've heard about drain the swamp, but clean out the rot is a new variation of that. And I think it's very apt. Uh, particularly the rot in the foreign policy uh, unelected establishment, which has brought us to the brink of war yet again over Ukraine, a country that most Americans didn't realize that, that the United States had any commitments to. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, we don't have any commitments to Ukraine. We're n- we should not be aligned with Ukraine. We can have a you know we can have a sporting interest, you might say, uh, for root for the underdog uh, of a country that wasn't being invaded. But uh, but we're not aligned with Ukraine, and uh, it is somewhat disturbing, Ed, to see virtually unanimously of our representatives essentially taking our country to war without the approval of the American people against Russia over the borders of Ukraine, Um, and specifically the eastern borders, which uh, go up against Russia, when nobody is policing our own borders of our own country. Well, we're talking with John Schlafly, and and John, um, is this too stark, what I'm about to say? Uh, When you do 
what America has been able to do in terms of economic sanctions in the world we live in. It's not like it's 19, you know, um, 72, where if you, you know, say, oh, we're going to do economic sanctions, it takes a month for the mail to get there. And you don't even really know yet. W- within moments, uh, the sanctions are crippling, right? They're crippling of the people of Russia. They're crippling of their economy. They're crippling of the ruble. They're crippling of everything. Um, I don't know. Why isn't that war? If you if you snuck a bomb in and blew up the wall, uh, stock market in a country and just let's, like the physical stock market, or if you went back in time and someone snuck into your nation and was able to uh, blow up the, the bank that had all your gold in it, you know, a, a Fort Knox type thing, and it was all distributed because it was wide open, you'd say, wow, that was an attack on our nation. Aren't we, to your point, aren't we at war at this point? I think that question should be asked, Ed, and not only is it war, but is it a war crime? Because that is a severe, exceedingly severe, hostile, penalizing act against the American people. Uh, you know, it's not going to touch Putin. Uh, I mean, not the American people, Ed. The I meant people, the yeah, Russian right, people. Right, right. And uh, to bring down their economy, to destroy their currency, to make it impossible for them to earn a living by selling their uh, output on the world markets. Uh, I mean, that is, uh, I think it should be act, asked, you know, and, and again, the, this was not done really as a, with the authority of Congress. I mean, Biden just did that. What right. was his authority to do that? And, right. uh, well, but what somebody, Congress, what, what Congress did do was pass $14 billion. We've almost gotten, we've gotten so, uh, immune to the size of spending $14 billion in aid to the Ukraine, as you point out, is that aid going over to the Ukrainian government to buy arms? So is it basically going from here to there and then back to, um, you know, Lockheed Martin? I don't know. I mean, I, again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody knows, but it's 14 billion. It's not yes. uh, uh, 10 million. It's it's 14 billion with a B. Yes. And a lot a good portion of that is for lethal aid. That means uh, weapons whose only purpose in this war is to kill Russians. And uh, so there's a fine line, I think, between flying a plane through through to police a no-fly zone versus sending missiles, stingers, javelins, or whatever they are to, uh, you know, and if they hit their target, they're killing Russians. Now, American people should not be doing that, in my opinion. And we, we have not agreed through our own democratic and constitutional processes that a state of war exists between the United States and Russia. And so we should not be going through third parties in order to essentially give aid and comfort to uh, another country that we're not even allied with, that we have no treaty with, to fight their war against Russia. These raise many, many questions that haven't been thought through by our representatives. We're talking with John Schlafly, um, John uh, and Andy Schlafly, right? The weekly column, the Schlafly Report, available over at uh, phyllisschlafly.com. It's archived there. Um, John, I I guess it matters 
I mean, I guess it does matter. And in the column that the new column this week is um, clean out the rot. You're talking about the the rot of the foreign policy establishment. But I mean, it does matter to tick through the realities. You know, the Ukraine before uh, it became trendy to have a Ukrainian flag in front of your house. Uh, if you were a liberal or not a liberal, um, the, it, the Ukraine was described as a you know very corrupt place. Um, uh, Zelensky was in the Panama report that leaked uh, of people who had put money offshore. I mean, there's lots of things that have gone on. But again, I don't know if that matters. I mean, at a certain point, you see suffering, human suffering. You say, how do we make it stop? The problem is nothing I see makes me think that the people in Washington want to make it stop. I mean, it, it, it should be ratchet up something so that you can stop it. What it feels like now is ratchet up something so that you can ratchet up something again. I mean, so if you ratchet it up and said, oh, we're going to do this, this and this to help Ukraine be stronger, you would then say, I don't know whether you publicly or quietly to, to Russia unless you stop. And, and now it appears Zelensky is saying, I won't ever stop. I won't ever, you know, I want I, I want it all. And again, where we end up with is we're, we're a an Archduke Ferdinand uh, or or a um, slipped missile away from a world war. I, you know, I think that's right. And we, the United States ought to be taking steps to settle this contract and bring it to a negotiated settlement. Um, but that's not what anybody in Washington seems to want to do. They, and because, and the latest thing, or, or for a week now, actually, they've been talking about uh, bringing Vladimir Putin on trial for war, war crimes. Now that that too is a totally, totally wrong. Un, ought to be unacceptable. You know, outside the realm of what the United States ought to be doing. Uh, uh, the fact that some civilian civilians were caught in the crossfire in this war does not mean they were targeted. It does not mean there were war crimes. And uh, you know, neither the United States nor Russia is even a party to the International Criminal Court, which is supposed to address war crimes. And, uh, and you know, war crimes trials uh, are a, a questionable thing in themselves because they're basically the winner of the war, uh, of any war, impo- using the trappings of criminal justice in order to impose vengeance on the defeated people in the war. I mean, we've seen that happen in previous wars. It's not a good thing. It's not, uh, it's not really what the judicial system is for. And, uh, you know, there's no way, there's never going to be a way to fairly judge whether, uh, actions in wartime constitute so-called war crimes. Well, I mean, it becomes a he said, she said, or he said, he said, too. Right. I mean, there's a point here where, uh, again, the uh, any piece will be um, somewhat unaccept. Uh, uh, you know, wrong word. It's um, will, will not feel good to both sides if it's done. Any peace agreement done or, or we get the Versailles uh, Treaty and one country is punished so dramatically that it creates a dynamic that is probably destabilizing anyway. But, uh, John, uh, a broader question in your column. Uh, again, we're talking with John Schlafly about the clean out the rod. Um, Trump used the phrase in a rally. But you're watching the media and big tech and big government sell the position that not only is it the virtue of the virtuous side is Ukraine versus Russia and 
the cost of inf- of gas and inflation is really based on this world war, this war that happened. And you can we can all laugh and say, oh, that's not that's not right. It was happening already. But it's working. It's working when 80 percent of the people say, oh, you know, I didn't know anything about it last month. But now I'm on the side of uh, I'm on one side or the other. And 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 so my question to you, John, a, a keen observer of politics uh, and, and elected politics for many years, what happens in November? Well, in, in, in inflation, which gas, which comes, which you cannot avoid at the gas pump. You know, are people going to say, oh, I'm happy to pay $2 more per gallon because that will that'll really show Vladimir Putin. That'll really punish Putin. How many people are going to think that way? I don't think very many. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I just think I wonder right now, I hate to say it. I wonder if the um, Republicans are riding themselves into a posse with the Democrats that makes them all indistinguishable. You talk about the rot. Um, President Trump uh, in his comment was talking about Republicans. He wasn't talking about Democrats. So, uh, all right, John, I have to leave it there. Unfortunately, John, I've, I've got about a time. John Schlafly, everybody, his column is over at townhall.com live and then archived at phyllisschlafly.com. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Public schools used to be very different from what they are today. Back in 1951, the National Education Association, that's the NEA, published something called the American Citizen's Handbook. It proclaimed, it is important that people who are to live and work together shall have a common mind, a like heritage of purpose, religious ideals, love of country, beauty, and wisdom to guide and inspire them. That goal was fortified by selections in this book for kids to memorize Old and New Testament passages, Ten Commandments, Lord's Prayer, Golden Rule, Boy Scout Oath, and Patriotic Songs. Then public schools started to change under the influence of humanist John Dewey and his followers. Sidney Simon sold a million copies of his book called Values Clarification, urging kids to abandon their parents' old-fashioned values and make their own choices about what is right and wrong. We had a year of toying with the new history standards, which omitted many historical leaders and facts that most Americans believe students should learn. And we suffered the much-advertised fads, one after another, Goals 2000, School to Work, Outcome-Based Education, No Child Left Behind, and Race to the Top. Those were all used to delude parents into believing that schools were producing a new generation of smart kids. But like the kids in the Lake Wobegon radio program, every child is just above average. Meanwhile, we had the Kinsey invasion of curriculum to teach explicit sex education to younger and younger children, shredding them of their natural modesty. Fads continued with death education, suicide education, environmental education, and endless promotion of self-esteem. Don't look to the regular courts for a remedy to this nonsense. Nearly all federal court decisions are pro-public schools and anti-parents' rights. Parents and grandparents jumpstart the education of that child you love so much with a proven phonics course. With TurboReader, anyone at any age can learn to read. 
For free information on Phyllis Schlafly's Turbo Reader, call toll-free 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Open the door to a lifetime of reading and self-motivation. Call 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, so uh, yesterday we talked about how there was going to be a hearing, right? There was going to be a hearing of the House Administration Committee or the Committee on House Administration called Examining Stock Trading Reforms for Congress because, you know, congressmen and women have insider trading and make money while you go work and I go work. So on Wednesday, they were supposed to have a hearing. It was suspended. It was delayed. It was canceled. Postponed is the word they used. It was always going to be Kabuki Theater. They weren't going to pass anything. They were going to find a reason not to. I don't know why they canceled it or why they postponed it. I I suppose they could have leaned on the Zelensky speech or something, although it was a different time of day. The the, the, uh, committee hearing on insider trading was supposed to be at 2 p.m. Eastern time. The Zelensky speech was at 9 in the morning, but be that as it may, it was canceled. So this great effort that was publicized that Nancy Pelosi's house was going to take up the issue of insider trading. And should it be, should there be a way to limit congressmen and congresswomen from making money off of the information they know ahead of you and me and everybody else? That eh, was postponed. But no, no, don't go. Don't worry. It's a priority. It's a priority. It's a priority to take care of the American people and to be fair and just. Yeah, right. Give me a break. So there you have it. I thought it was just going to be Kabuki Theater where they said all the right things and then did nothing. In this case, they didn't even say them. They just canceled the whole thing. So there you have it. I'll keep an eye on that. And when they, when and if they ever go back to it, which they probably won't, I'll let you know. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great Noah Dingley, the producer of this program. Thank you to Joanna Spilger, the associate producer. All these great guests we get. A lot of times we get recommendations from you, the listeners. Feel free to send us an email. Uh, visit ProAmericaReport.com. It'll kick right through to my main webpage. You can look at all these great interviews, send an email, and everything else. And especially sign up for the Daily Wink, what you need to know, the email that goes out each morning. So we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.